0: Good morning, Central. It is good to be home. Uh, This is the place that Jane and I called home for so many years and so grateful for the opportunity to come back and serve under Pastor Craig and to be able to kick off a series on marriage. I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for your kindness to us over many years, your patience with me as I tried to grow in the Lord. I think back to some of you what I might have told your teenagers. Sorry about that. Um, But through it all, we're growing. We're continuing to grow in the Lord, and I hope that can happen for us again today. I'm, I'm thrilled to serve under Pastor Craig. I was texting with him and talking with him a bit. Of course, Vibka's here, but he is out of town today, and we were just touching in, talking a little bit about this service and praying that God would use it for his honor and his glory. So I'm thrilled to be able to partner under the team here and to be a part of that. I need to probably start like I am a part of CR today so many of you know at Celebrate Recovery you begin by simply saying you're broken and I am here today broken I am here I have not done this perfect I do not come up here to tell you hey this is how you do marriage and this is how you do it perfectly Jane and I uh, this year we'll be celebrating 40 years of marriage together so we're pretty proud of that but to be honest with you if I could go back and think about the time when we were here and then when we left Central to start winning at home and the 30 plus years that have evaporated in that time. Um, If you had told me what we would go through as a couple uh, with our family, some, some hurt, some pain, some challenges, I probably, like if you played it out on the video this morning, hey, here, Dan, here's a two-minute episode of what those 30 years is going to be like, I would probably look at you and say, I don't know if I'll survive that. I don't know if I'll make that. And I said to Jane the other day, as we were just talking, we, were, we spoke last weekend in Ohio, and so we, had, we drove it, and as we're you know, going that way, I'd, I'd just say to her things like this. So go back to our wedding day if you had known some of the things that were going to happen and things we would go through as a family and things we would face, would you have married me? Like I asked her that. And she said, I would have, but I'd have thought a little longer. (laughs) And that's fair. I'm guessing many of you would have thought a little longer. You've been here and you've only been married a year. You'd have thought a little longer. You're two days in, bless you. But the rest of us have learned some things. And it's called life. And today I'm going to burst some bubbles. I'm going to come at this topic of marriage and relationships in a way that I would not have preached going back 30 years ago. I would not have spoken this sermon. In fact, I would tell you I actually believe... Going back to those days, I said things that probably made it hard even for the listeners who were there. And what I mean by that is, typically us pastors, we use a certain word when we walk out on stage and we talk about marriage. We use it all the time. I used to use it all the time. It's the word soulmate. I would say something like, hey, it's good to be here. I'm going to talk to you today about you and your soulmate. And somebody sitting in the seat goes, I don't have that. I guess I missed it. Somebody watching online, you're literally sitting right now with your cup of coffee by yourself because that person that the preacher said was a soulmate, they aren't even there anymore. And so I'm just telling you that I think I set you up to feel like you missed the mark. Soulmate is not in the Bible. It's a man-made thing. Can you grow closer to the Lord? Absolutely, we'll talk about that today. But the Bible calls your spouse a helpmate. And I want to show you something interesting. A helpmate works either side of that equation. If you talk about a soulmate, that has to be something that really gets you, someone who really understands you. So if I say soulmate, there's only one way to view that. A helpmate, watch this, a helpmate can be a great follower of the Lord, joins you in marriage, the two of you together, you go and you rock it out. Awesome. It's good. On the other side, some of you are married to someone who doesn't even want to hear about the word of God. I propose to you they can be a helpmate because they push you closer to the Lord. You say, well, that wasn't what I wanted. I I get that. But all things work for his good. He always has your best interest in mind. You go, seriously, Dan, you're really going to say that? Absolutely. No question about it. Some of you are in a very tough spot in your marriage, and I'll bet some of you have used that to grow closer to the Lord. Some of you have used it to get real irritated. We're going to discuss that today. When Jane and I got married, I remember remember when I first met her. I've shared this story with you before, but she was bent over at a vending machine, and that's how I saw her. (laughs) I was not praying. I wasn't reading the Bible. I was going, whoa. And after we started talking, I thought, okay, we're going to get married. And here's my list of things that that's going to do for me. Because it was like, if I could just get to that unity candle. I shared this at Night of Hope. We call this, for the millennials here, this is a unity candle. We used to use these in weddings. Not so much anymore. I do weddings now. They rub rocks. I had a couple rub rocks together. Of course, you weave the three strands. My favorite was a couple who poured their two favorite beer together and drank it. communion right at the altar. (laughs) This is a unity candle, and when we light it, there's a sense in our minds, what's this? In our culture, it's subtle. We don't even see it. In our culture, it's if you can just get this lit, then hey, 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 you made it. I remember my son Alan, our oldest, when he wasn't married and was getting up, you know, 30-ish or so, and people would say to him, hey, are you married? And He'd be like, no, I'm not. And there was almost this like, oh, what's wrong? So without realizing it real suddenly in our culture, be, be careful, just listen to me. We've moved marriage to the top spot. Oh, we say it's God and then our spouse, and then, but we don't live that way. It's kind of like, oh, you're not married? Oh, then you missed it. Can I say to you something? If marriage is the ultimate goal of this life, then Jesus missed the mark. I don't think anybody here would stand and say, I agree, that's true. No, we're not going to look at Jesus and say he missed it. No, he came here to fulfill his purpose. And if in your life you do get married i'm gonna prove it scripturally in a moment then you need to see this as an addendum to the goal and purpose that jesus has for you on this earth don't elevate it beyond its proper place and i gotta tell you i go back told you today's the day of confession today's the day of cr for me if i go back to when jane and i were First married and when I was youth pastor here at Central, I would never have said this to you out loud. I I would actually tell you I didn't even see it, but I believe I had her in slot number one. I would do anything I could do to make her happy first, even before God. But but you got to see something real subtle here. I did a lot of that in hopes of what I would get back. See, some of you here today, you work really hard at your marriage thinking, if I do all that, then I get all this. And I'm going to show you today, that's not the way it works because when Jane and I got married, I I remember what I thought would happen. I I wrote a little list. I I thought, all my needs will finally be fully met. I, I want you to hear my list. I have finally found someone who will always understand me. I'll be careful because there's kids in the room, possibly even my grandkids. So I don't want to warp their little minds, but unlimited physical intimacy. Remember how I met her. We will always want to just be together and sit and hold hands. And I mean, I I, I got married with that list and we were probably a weekend before it was shattered. (laughs) And so, today sitting here, I thought about it. Even when I pastored here, some of your teenagers talked to me about you. So, though it looked good, I knew you were struggling. And what I've discovered now is you're normal. Today, if you're watching online, around the world, if you're struggling in your marriage, you're normal. And today I want to I want to hit a foundation idea. In fact, you're going to go, is this a
1: marriage message?
0: This is the one that everything hinges on. Let me tell you something. I speak, and I have uh, next weekend I'll be speaking somewhere on marriage, etc. I'm about to go Tuesday. I'm in Pigeon Forge speaking on this type stuff, and I'm just telling you, everywhere I go, I talk about principles, 10 new ideas, way to grow in your relationship, all that stuff. I love to talk about all that stuff, but if you don't get this one, The practical doesn't work. I can give you tip upon tip, things we've learned, things I'm learning. But if I don't give you the foundation to build on, I mess you up. And today I'm going to give you the foundation. And I'm going to propose to many of you who have been here a long time and heard messages a long time. I'm going to tell you, if you get this, you say, I get it, Dan. No, you don't, because it's a game changer. If you're, getting, if you're sitting here today and you have unmet expectations, sex expectations, you pick it. If you have any of that stuff, you haven't got what I'm about to preach. I'm going to show you what I consider the greatest marriage verse I've ever found in the Bible. And let me just say before I start, I preach um, a lot of messages on marriage. My Bible right here, I've worn out Ephesians chapter 5. I've worn out some of the passages on marriage in this Bible. And just in the last couple of years, I've found the verse that I think is the greatest verse I've ever preached about marriage. And it's not what you think. It's Matthew 6.33. It's coming up on the screen. Hang with me. Just be patient. Seek first His kingdom... And his righteousness and all these other things, including a good, healthy marriage, will be given to you as well. Let, let, me, let me read it again. Seek first his kingdom, Dan Seaborn. So back here when you were a youth pastor at Central, you preached his kingdom. You taught teens about his kingdom. But you were probably chasing a little bit of Jane right there first. But I got to seek first Him and be righteous in Him. And then relationships will be put in their proper place. See, some of you are here today, your relationships and your marriage is not in its proper place. And you're looking at a guy that can talk about this because I had it out of whack. I can prove it. In order to understand that verse, there's a couple of things you got to get. Number one, you got to get this. you got to be certain that you understand that God loves you. You say, really, Dan? They're, they're actually bringing you in to show us that? Hmm? Yeah, because so many of you in this room do not get this. I shared at the Night of Hope that I chased my father's love so hard if I use my pockets as the illustration I would be like I I wanted my dad's approval dad fill my pockets tell me you love tell me you value I wanted listen I wanted to be certain of his love and didn't ever get it I never got it he passed away and I I shared this thought the night of hope but I'm going to tell you again so like I'm preaching here this morning. Dad passed away about three or four months ago, and when I would finish preaching and go see him, because he lived near here, and I would just go see him, say hi, and that kind of thing. Anywhere I preach. I'd come back. Where have you been? Oh, I, I preached actually in town today, Dad. Where at? Oh, this church called Central Westland. Ready? His next line. Just even before he died. Is there so so did did they hire you there? No, they didn't. So there's no church you go to wants you to stay, huh? You just have to keep traveling around and finding places to preach. Is there no church that really wants you? And that used to really just tear at me because I I wanted him to go, I'm proud of you, son, whatever. Nope, nope. And I got to a place where I was played along with him. No, dad, it's crazy. (laughs) I go and they'd say, see ya. (laughs) Well, do they at least pay you something? Some of them do. But you got anything you can give me? I mean, I might play along, man. Might as well play along. Because I was never going to get his approval. And there's somebody sitting in this room right now. You are not certain that God loves you because your daddy never did. You say, what does that have to do with marriage? Oh, because at the age of 21, I switched that to Jane. Because dad, since he didn't fulfill it or whatever, oh, now, 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 now. I have finally got it. See you, Dad. I'm going to move to Michigan with the one and only who's going to meet all my needs and I will never have unmet expectations again. Now, I'm not thinking about hers. I'm thinking about mine. Can you imagine if Jane looks at me and says, now there's a guy that will meet all your needs. (laughs) She had to be going, oh, Lord, missed that one. (laughs) Because that's not there. But I just switched it. See, I just switched it from dad to Jane. So conversations happen. Can you you play on Because I needed to be certain that Jane loved me. See, I tried dad, tried Jane now. Not looking to the one who I'm supposed to seek first. Oh, I I say I do. I travel and pre... I am a reverend after all. But I'm still looking there needs so when she's not meeting i'm I'm saying things like do do you're not listening to me you don't get i'm hurting do you not get it do you not see that this is something why can't i know i represent a lot of you right now somebody sitting in here your spouse thinks of you they think of this you never listen you don't understand me. I've said this a million times. Trust me, they're going, Oh, I know. Oh, I know. I've heard it. That's why I go, La, 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 la. So, about, you're always better at years than me. Three, four years ago, Jane looked at me and said, I would just like to end our time together on this earth peaceful. Said that in the house one day when I was pointing out something I'd like her to work on. And those of you who have that tendency, if you haven't noticed, our spouses tend to not like that. <laughs> so I'm telling her something else to work on. And she cried and said, I just want to finish my life peaceful, And I said, well, what do you mean we're peaceful? And she's like, not in these times we're not. And I said, "What? what's peace look like to you? And she said, for you to love me the way I am. Oh. Oh. So all those years, all I've been doing is making you feel inadequate right not worthy right I can't fulfill your needs right and I saw it hey like like I saw it you say it took you that long yeah took me that long and I I remember I'm gonna grab a little stew here because I remember um I remember sitting one day after she said that to me, and, and, and I said, tell me what you mean. I, 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 I don't have your brain, and I don't think that way, so explain to me what it is you're feeling inside right now. And for the first time, I listened, what's this next statement? With no need for rebuttal. Many of you have conversations, but the whole time they're talking to you, you're preparing your response quite extensively sometimes. Let me take notes while you're doing that. Because we're going to make our point more than hear yours. And you say, Dan, what's this have to do with marriage? Because I wasn't certain God loved me, I was trying to get Jane to fill the hole. And some of you today, you know good and well that's exactly what you're doing. You're trying to get your spouse to fill all your pockets. And you got front ones, and you got back ones, even carry an extra one in my shirt, and two side ones. Here, Jane, fill me up. And she says, I can't. Only God can do that. You say, but I hear hear everything you're saying because I used it too. Well, what about my needs? I got needs. No, you got wants. There's not many needs, if y'all if y'all really cut. You say, yeah, but I live in West Michigan and I like a plush life. You're not talking to somebody that lives in Ukraine, Dan. I live in West Michigan. Now, I'm speaking to anyone around the world watching, telling you, if you figure this out, I don't care if you live in plush or unplush, if you figure this out, you're going to take a step toward whoever you're in relationship with or whoever you're married to. Because when you step toward God, you step toward your spouse. And some of you are sitting on this seat of unmet needs. You think it is unmet needs. It's want. And when I figure that out, the difference between a want and a need, my heart begins to change inside me. And I realize that I am certain. I got to tell y'all sitting on this stool today, it's, it's glory be to the Lord on high. Dan Seaborn finally figured out God really loves me. I didn't, I didn't know that when I was youth pastor here. I, I, I thought it, but I didn't know it because I was feeling it with my dad and with Jane. But I want to I show you all something today I've discovered. If I never preach again, like today, if something happened, I don't even get to preach at Central. See, sometimes when you don't get to do the thing that you're on there for, oh God, I guess God doesn't love me, I love it. I love it. The other day, I was sitting at the table with two guys, and one of them said something about, "Well, well what when I don't have blessings and I don't have this? And I, I guess God. I guess he just. I guess he's taking his hand off of me." And fortunately, and unfortunately, the gentleman, the other gentleman sitting at the table, his son is dealing with cancer, and he looked across the table at my friend and said, "So my boy's got cancer right now. Don't you dare tell me that God doesn't love me or he caused that." to try to hurt me. He's doing this to draw me even closer to him. He takes the crap of this world, the sin of this world, the Satan of this world, because don't you dare forget, humanity brought sin into this world. Don't you blame that on God. And he said, you're going through some crap in your life. He said, God's using it. And I would tell you, Jane and I, we've been through some crap. And it was either bail out or go deeper. And some of you, with a marriage right now you're toying with bailing and i'm saying to you oh you've got such a human perspective on this now if you're an abuse type situation you call our office you call the church i want to help you that's not what i'm talking about here I'm talking about those of you who are just, I got unmet expectations and my spouse is not doing it, so I'm going to, I know what you're going to do. You're going to go chase this list. I I get it. We have this man-made list in our world that we say, you're not meeting my needs? All right. I got a check off list and I'll go through them all. We got man-made lists. Instead of seeking first his kingdom and being certain of how much God, we go chase this to love us. Well, that person will love me the way I want to be loved. That alcohol will make me feel good. That thing right there that we legalize will make me feel great. I'm just saying. We chase man-made answers. You say, this message is too simple. I can't get the gospel message too simple because it is so simple. Jesus came to take care of you, period. We make it hard. I'm not going to make it hard anymore, ladies and gentlemen. Those of you in here broken and hurting, dealing with all kind of crap in your life, be certain God loves you. Stop chasing this list. I spoke at a corporation a couple weeks ago. And I started talking about the man-made list we use. I had a little thing in my hand like this. The man-made list that we use to chase down the things in our life. And... I got about halfway down and some dude stood up and yelled, I know what makes me happy. And he listed it off. And I said, yeah, till tomorrow morning. Then you feel even more empty. And I pause here to say to you at Winning at Home, I'm real big on believing in the clinical. So much I've learned about how the brain works. So much I've learned about medicinal things. Some of you here today use some type of medication to help you, assist you in your life. Some of you use medical marijuana, and I'd say to you, that's between you and the Lord. If that assists you and helps you, that's between you and the Lord. That's that's yours. I'm just telling you that the man-made list that we chase in the end of life does not satisfy. And I'm asking you to take a look at your life and say, what am I using to fill a hole that only God can fill? Because, you see, that's what I did to Jane. I put so much pressure on her. Made her feel so inadequate. And I decided, I told her, I said, this is going to change. And the reason I was going, wanted to change it, because I don't want to finish my life. And if I go before she goes, I don't want her standing by some urn or some casket and you guys walking up and speaking to her and her going, oh, I'm so glad my husband helped you, but he didn't make my life peaceful. She's not going to do that because I'm going to get grips on this. And old broken Dan's going to get a little less unbroken. A little less broken, I should say. And I've been working at this hard. I've been working at calming myself. I've been working at listening to. It. I've been working. One of the things I work on, I call it half tone. Used to, I would raise my voice. Now, when things really upset me, I go from the volume you hear in here. I go to half volume. Oh, Jane, this is really bothering me. I'm very upset. And then if I sense inside I'm getting even more angry, then I start whispering, and I'll tell you this right now. I'm getting so angry, I think I'm going to go to the car and just take a drive. Because I'm going to get control of this boy. The reason is because Jesus controlled himself. He's my role model. He always kept us cool. Y'all know, y'all do realize Jesus had all the power. He literally could have said, hey, you, over there, third back, Um, lightning bolts, you know, he could have done that. So patient. And I see now, and I apologize. Jane has heard this plenty privately that I apologize to her again, that I put the pressure on her to meet all my needs. That was wrong because God's got me. He loves me. He just loves me. Well, what'd you do to get his love? Got it because I'm his kid. Any of you have a kid? When they were born and they handed it to you and go, All right, Doc, what do I need to do to love this kid? No, it's just there. I remember when our second one was born. I remember when Josh was born, I remember saying to Jane, I remember going in Alan's bedroom. Alan was, you know, what, two or three, and I, I went in there and I'm like, oh, I'll never be able to love another kid like I love this one. And then Josh pops out, I'm like, equal love. You love your kids. They break your heart, you still love your kids. Somebody in here is not certain that God loves you and you've been putting that on your spouse. I'm asking you today, see that and change that. Your spouse right now is sitting there going, oh, please listen. Because it's a game changer. And then after you're certain of how much God loves you, then I want you to also be certain of how much you love him. (laughs) It's so simple, isn't it? See, I I used to pour everything into this relationship and some into that one. God, I love you. But this one pays me back. so messed up. And I began to go, wait wait a second. Go back to the kid thing. Go back to the kid thing. How many of you have a teenager that, if mom, you're in the kitchen working on something and your, your, your teenager walks in, mom, this looks really cluttered. What could I do to help you? What mom doesn't turn around and go, excuse me, thank you. <laughs> no mom turns around and goes, ah, you're always showing love. No, yeah, uh-uh. You love that. Well, guess what? God the Father loves it when he looks down and sees the certainty of your love for him. Now, okay, okay. I didn't say the certainty of your church attendance. I didn't say the certainty of how many times you said his name out loud in public. Love of God for every one of us in this room can look different. I don't get to define what it looks like for you to love God. Jane knows this happened recently to me. Somebody came up, and there's a way they love God, and, and they asked me to join them in that way because, you know, I, I do some things publicly, so they thought it would be good if they could get me on their team, et cetera, and, and they looked at me, and they said, well, will you do this, then? because I know you love God, and I love God. I want you to do this with me, and I looked, and I said... I don't do that. I'm not going to do that. And the person literally got angry. Jane was standing there, got angry to my face. How dare you? You're you're the problem with our world, and turned and walked away. And I, I just was like, dude, get a clue. You don't decide what my love for God looks like. And today I do not stand up here telling you what your love for God looks like, but I will tell you this. When you love God, you want to spend time with him. You just do. Let me show you what that looked like for me. (laughs) When I I worked here at Central, I remember there was a year. uh, Pastor Paul, I think at the time, was doing a series on the Bible. And it was like, okay, all of us on staff, you're going to read the Bible through in a year. Here's your guide. Now, for those of you who do that, that's awesome. You guys know that I kind of speak from my heart. I'm a heart-speaking guy. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, so others speak from their mind. I speak a little more from my heart. I'm a heart guy. So when you tell me, hey, Dan, go read. Now, today it's not too bad. It's just 85 chapters. You need to go read that. And then in a year, you'll get through the Bible. I remember, you know, I did it because it was duty. It was part of my job. So I would read it, and I'd finish, and I would go, oh, oh got to read. I got to read all the way to there. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, God, I love you. I'll do it. I love you, Lord, but this book is too long. And then I began to go, wait a minute. I'm going to do this the way that works for me. So I started. Let me show you something. I started. I got it here. Go to Proverbs. Here's the end of Proverbs. Okay. All right, look. Okay. That's Psalm and Proverbs. Psalm and Proverbs. I decided I would read one verse. I started with Psalm 1-1. I read one verse. And... I spent that time with the Lord and I said to the Lord in my spirit, Lord, I want to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep this verse in front of my mind all day long as I'm going out to mire, going to work, whatever I'm doing. I'm gonna think about this verse. Show me what it means. Let it come alive in my life. Let me see this verse around me. Psalm one And I stayed in Psalm 11 until I felt like, oh my word, a moment happened. I went, that's what that means. That verse says, Blessed is the man who does not delight in the counsel of the wicked. I saw it and I went, oh, that's awesome. Got it. Then I went to verse two. I would stay in verse two until I saw it come alive. If it did not come alive right away, might be some had verses that had stayed. I stayed in them for a week. So I went through Psalm and Proverbs that way. Okay. Took me seven years. Here's what I discovered. I did not read the Bible to get through it. I read the Bible for it to get through me. The Bible says the word is alive and it speaks. I did not grab it every day and go, what's the next verse? No, Mm-mm. I showed up and I read it. God honors showing up. Now I want to tell you something, ready? Because somebody sitting here goes, it's just it's too hard to understand. I know, I know. But watch this, watch this. A lot of you in the room have one of these. They're hard to understand sometimes. Can't get a text through. Email's not working. What's going on with my email? Why is this not working? I have never got to that place where I looked at my phone and went, it's not working. Hmm, not working. Okay. Not, just, I'll leave it laying there. It's costing me $1,000 a day, but I'll just leave it laying there. <laughs> no, I called my tech guy when I home. Hey, James. Something ain't working on this. If he can't fix it, well, you better take it to Verizon and get it figured out. Because I need that thing to work. Because I want it to work. If you want it to work, you keep trying to figure it out. Pretty easy illustration to understand. What would happen in our world if everybody poured the same amount of energy into this book as they pour into that phone? Principles are too simple. <laughs> life changing. One life at a time. What's funny is the more I've poured into this book, the better we seem to do. Oh, why? Why? because this book changes me. See, see, the reason we don't like this book is it changes us. It's a lot more fun to work on her. I'm good. It's her. Is this making sense? And once you figure out that you spend time with God, and it starts changing your heart, it becomes invigorating to see how deep this can go. Like, like it's gonna be fun to see how deep I can get in the Lord before I die. I might have a day, I might have a few years, I'm gonna go see. And then the process, what could, he, what could he use me to do for him? See, that's my purpose. My purpose is not to get me fulfilled. My purpose is to run to the Father. And you will know this is happening in your life. I I wrote down a couple of ways that you can literally measure. Is that connecting and and changing in me? Because right now, some of you need to flip. You need to flip the candle on its head because you've had this too high. And you need to get it in its proper place with Jesus on top. And if you do that, I'll give you a couple of ways you start to go. I'm getting it. I've been doing this for several years. I'm starting to see it. I didn't see it the first day. First day, I was kind of irritated because I liked my old style, and that's the habit I was used to. Here's one of the things you'll see change number one, you'll sense new levels of contentment. Even when circumstances don't change. Some of you have been sitting, seriously, seriously. Since I was youth pastor here, you have been coming here to church. And you would say, Dan, if I go back to when you were a youth pastor to now, I'll illustrate it. I'm sitting in the same daggone seat. I'm so discontent. I'm just going to die this way. No, you're not. Not if you get this figured out. Can you remember when Paul got put in jail? Do you not think in his mind he would have been thinking, I can be really discontent here or I can start writing a book? Because if he had just been discontent, there going, well, I'd do better if y'all let me out. I can, do, I can make way more of a difference if I get out there. He didn't settle with that. You've settled if you're settling for discontentment. And I'm changing the game on you. I realize this is a paradigm shift for some of you. It's you going, wow. Wow, I'm going to seek the Father first. And when that happens, your discontent naturally begins to move away. Will you have days? Absolutely, you're a human being. But don't forget, God has your needs covered. There might be a few wants. But if you die without those being met, you're going to be okay long term. I'm not preaching for today. This is not a this year sermon. That's next week. I'll come back one time and I'll talk to you about 10 practical ways to love your spouse. I can give you those. I can give you some fun ones. Today, i got to get the foundation set before it's built on. Because if you don't do this right, then you're going to leave and you're just going to keep building on your spouse. You're going to keep making their life harder and harder and your discontentment growing higher and higher. Number two, unmet expectations will not determine your inner peace. Somebody listening today goes, I do not have inner peace. Start this journey of seeking his kingdom first and watch. Today's really a day of you just taking a step of obedience. Um, You know... I came early this morning. I drove around the church twice, just in my car praying. As I was driving around the car, I was like, Lord, this message is just too simple. And, and like, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm broken myself. I, I don't have all this stuff figured out. I, somebody else could do a far better job of kicking off a marriage thing than I could. And I just felt like the Lord was just saying, yeah, I, I like you broken. You speak clearer when you're broken. My name shines through more. See, when you're not broken, Dan, you seem to tout that you're pretty good at stuff. You ain't good at nothing unless I allow you to be. And today, some of you need to see that your broken spot you're in is the perfect place. Bibca, I personally say to you, thanks again for CR. What a great place. If you've never been there, you need to check it out. You go, I don't have any issues. <laughs> well, you, yeah, you do. Just that response is a pretty big red flag. <laughs> it's a hoot. Jane and I went there the other night, and I love it, man. Just a bunch of people like me trying to figure out how to get through today. Because tomorrow has enough, <laughs> or today has enough troubles of its own. I need to worry about tomorrow. I'm going to be very specific. I see somebody in blue way up there in the back. I see people over there. I see somebody in red over there. I'm going to give you time because we're going to have what's called an altar call. Because somebody in here is putting too much pressure on somebody else in a relationship. And you need to just surrender. Somebody in here has run too hard to get your spouse to meet your needs. you are worn out. In fact, you're so frustrated. Even driving to church today, so frustrated. I don't want you living that way. God for sure doesn't want you living that way. And I don't have all the answers. Jane and I don't have a perfect marriage. We're working at it. I got a lot more growth. Maybe if you have me come back, speak when I'm 120, I'll have some more depth. But I'm going to go work on my jump. I'm going to try to remind myself every day, God loves me. And I need to take the pressure off my spouse of covering all my holes in my pockets. So I'm going to open the altar. We're going to sing a little song. I'm not going to sing for your blessing. They're going to sing a song called Run to the Father. And I'm going to open up this altar. You're here today. And you might want to come as a couple. You might want to come as an individual. It doesn't matter. You say, oh, that, that's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> Let me just ask you guys a question. When one of your kids hurting and they run to you, have you ever thought, wow, that's embarrassing? No, you love it. If you're a parent, you love it when your kids come and say, hey, Mom, Dad, I'm hurting. Can I have a hug? Even, even if you're 80 and your 50-year-old says, I'm hurting. Can I have a hug? Come here. Who rejects their own child? And so today I say to you, run to the Father. This altar is just a place where you can come and lay your hurts down. I'm going to walk down there first because I'm most broken among the group. But as they sing this song, it's about a three-minute song, so you got a little time. Those of you in the balcony, not so much. You need to get to running. <laughs> Those of you online, sit your coffee down a second. Chill a second. Be quiet a second. Run to the Father with your empty spot. Let Him fill it. Let's get this figured out. Because then we can work actually on our marriage, on our relationships. So I invite you, would you just stand? Would you be willing to stand up with me? Father God, we stand here in humility, broken, needy. In a moment we're going to walk forward and we're going to kneel at this altar and we're recognizing you as the one we need to seek first. Forgive us for putting other people in a place that only you can feel. And today we love you. As they begin to sing, if the Lord has spoken to your spirit and you'd like to come and kneel, please do that. Please come and just lay your cares, your issue, your life, your relationship You say, but but Dan, it'll look bad. Are you kidding? (laughs) I just preached and I'd like to be the first one here because I'm messed up. So I encourage you, if the Lord has spoken to your spirit, come and kneel and bring your brokenness to the Lord. but I'm just out there praying and standing Um, I know where I live I know it's West Michigan but somebody here is just not being honest with yourself I'm gonna have them keep singing but you're broken man you need to admit it you've tried to fill these holes such stupid ways you're worn out and tired you're just hoping you were sitting there going okay they're halfway through the song and we can get out Bad news for you, it's second service, so I'm in no hurry. Um, Maybe it's for someone online. I just stopped a moment to say, good job giving it to the Lord. Um, I want you to be real honest with yourself. Again, I'm gonna have you bow your heads because I'm not trying to embarrass anyone, but there's somebody who just needs to come and lay it at the altar. It's It's just running to the Father, don't be afraid to. Seriously, run into his arms, he wants you right now. Your brokenness is what he's looking for. Because that's when he works his best. So if God's speaking to you, don't run from it. You don't, you don't have to come forward. I got it. You can go do it in your car. Got it. But I just sent somebody who's got a big wall, like there's a wall. Knock that stinking thing down and run to Jesus. It's going to literally save your life. So sorry. Right. Keep singing. Come if the Lord's speaking to you. Come. Those of you kneeling, keep praying.
1: Love Turn with it.
0: God, I got got a feeling this is going to be a daily run. (laughs) I know for me it's been a lifetime of running. And I pray that the hearts here today will keep running to you. You'll keep healing. I know for me, Lord, when I watched a couple of guys join their wives, fiancés, whatever they were here at the altar, as they came to kneel, there's no sweeter spot than when both souls... Recognize, I need a soulmate in the Lord God Almighty and so bless us be with us guide us comfort us go home with somebody that's dealing with a whole lot of junk comfort bring peace bring healing bring hurt that restores us crazy prayer but bring hurt that restores us today if we're hurting that's the spot you do the best work so help us step into what you give to us and to receive it as our best interest love you today give you this time Pray your hand over all of us as we depart this place